Hello. Can you hear me still? Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. I'll take that as a yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get rocking, man. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get her done. You got to configure your, your Emacs? I do. <laughs> I'm removing deprecations. Biatch. <laughs> All right. Maybe I, I started recording as usual, so maybe I'll just leave that in as the joke. <laughs> well, howdy, folks. It's Friday, and we are drunk and retired. <laughs> including that long pause i think that adds the extra humor see and then roll roll the the terrible recording of a ukulele you made in like 2004 that's banjo and ukulele oh hey, you... <laughs> it gets better Are you gonna put that back in yeah i you know i well as you know because you extensively listen to all of our recordings apparently i <laughs> i do put that in Man, I already listened to it once. That's uh, that's enough trauma for one week. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, you can't listen to all the podcasts you're on, right? Because there's some weeks where I do three podcasts, which is weird because I never mm. thought of myself as a podcaster. No, but uh, yeah, you can't. I mean, if you spend three hours recording and then three hours listening, man. Yeah. Now you know, uh, just just uh, on on it's that time to crack open the bourbon already. On that note, one. I, I haven't listened to your Kubernetes episode yet, but now yeah. now are you just like are you gonna go run that, Charles? Kubernetes? Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. You can actually you can go do it. You can um you can go to like Google uh what is it, Google uh cluster engine or they had some of those like cluster.io, all yeah. with a K apparently. So Charles, you are finally ready to do the DevOps. Are you excited about that? Are you gonna be DevOps? We've been de- we've been de- you always be DevOps in, right? Mm. You can't escape it. There's no there's no escape the no no escape in the DevOps. Yeah, yeah. you got to configure your servers, right? Like you can't. You're right. You got to you got to configure your servers, right? Like you got to have the Docker container that supports your Emacs config. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, but you know, you, the problem is you build apps, and you got to build your apps on top of stuff, mm-hmm. and so. Call that a stack. It's just always, yeah. You're always gonna interact with a stack. You're always gonna climb up and down the stack. Yeah. And you got the place where you live, right? But it's yeah. like sometimes you got to head out to the outhouse. Yes. You know what I mean? Sears and or Robot catalog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take the Sears and Robot catalog out to the outhouse. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Go. You got to go to the potato cellar every once in a while. You know, even though you spend what you're really wanting to do is cook in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But you got to keep your potatoes fresh. Who peels the potatoes? That's what I want to know. You know who peels my potatoes if I were to eat potatoes? Wh- whoever is in front of the supply chain of Costco where you get the bag of peeled potatoes. That's that's what I call what? potatoes as a service. Potatoes, that, that's cheating. That was just that was just a metaphor. That's a true pause. That was metaphor grounded in unreality. Well, uh Is that Oh, so that doesn't exist? I, I have no idea. I imagine peeled well, potatoes are hard because they'll. Costco listening. Yeah, because the peeled potato. Just, the, you just dropped a bag of gold. I imagine they're hard a because they'll, they'll, go, gold. they'll go brown. Yes, Yukon gold. Man, man, I'm on a 
I'm on interrupting fire. I'm like, uh, I keep on interrupting you with these great jokes. Well, you know, uh, depending on how you look at it, when you're trying to balance equality, <laughs> it takes two to interrupt, right? Like That's uh, true. someone else has to keep talking or not relent, which causes the interrupter to keep going. On the other hand, the interrupter is deciding to interrupt and not let the other one go. I think we just, that is a, a it's literal. It's like chest bumping, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a, like, you know, uh, after you score a touchdown, you like bump chests. Yeah. We're kind of, it's kind of like that. The podcast equivalent of the NFL. Both, both of those are a literal metaphor for all of humanity, right? Like any, any suffering mm-hmm. takes two people and then uh, we like to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, before before we move on to a nominal topic, and also to give you time to pick one, do you, do I need to send you the the URL to the Google Docs? Google Docs. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to just put. Can you pin that as the topic on our Skype? I I don't I don't know what that means, Charles. <laughs> I actually do. Is it is it? I mean, can we get can we get actually a little fundamental for for a moment before we move into the topic? Sure. Because you know, yesterday Chris Cornell died, and I realized in myself that like i don't know if it's like once you you know once you like cross into middle age like i'm 40 now like i'm that guy who's like oh man i'm so bummed that jerry garcia died but like i actually was seriously bummed uh, about this news because you know i don't know if you remember kote but uh super unknown was a staple around mesa systems i mean a staple sure i i remember that album Remember that album? I mean, you got the whole me, uh, the, like, the top forty hit "Black Hole Sun." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we always skipped that track. Actually, oh, we did, didn't we? I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, we, it was, it's all right. It's all right, but it def, it definitely it got enough play on the radio. But there's so many good songs uh, on that album. But I just remember, yeah, I was like sitting there. We were like what seventeen? Sure. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, we're regular you know, Abercrombie think, uh, and Fitch ad back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, just sitting there slinging Pearl, and I think uh, just listen to Super Unknown on 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 uh, repeat. Yeah, you re- you remember that time we uh, we broke into the server closet and we found the uh, the phone system, and we put that last uh, Southern Culture on the Skids track on for the yeah. uh, for the hold the hold music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then remember the banker call? There was like a banker, like uh, one of. One of uh, the managers came like uh, come running in like in a panic, and it's like, who put the gangster rap on the hold music? The gangster and, uh, rap. I know. Isn't that fun? isn't that great? That just uh, it's so telling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and those, uh, we're that, like, wait, are, wait. Those are good time for antics <laughs> were, back then. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is you'd think that like it was kind of like rockabilly, mm, right? Yes. Southern culture on the skids. It's like rockabilly, like white trash music, like farthest thing from gangster rap that you could possibly be. But anything outside of what was like the norm just was immediately gangster rap. So did you ever, while we're on that, did you ever hear the story about the, uh, how, how some, some code of mine created a security freakout? And by code, I mean a comment in an HTML file. Uh, no, no, I, I don't. So apparently, apparently, like, so I did a lot of the uh, not 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 even front end, but HTML work. Like when I was I was there at Mesa, I think I only did a little bit of Perl. I actually didn't do very much programming there, despite what my resume might say. And uh, 
I think I, it was basically the equivalent of being a PHP programmer. And uh, so what happened is, you know, we were always listening to music. And I think I think maybe it was some Tom Petty song about, like, I know all your secrets. And so I would just, like, litter my code with comments. It, it was kind of like the yeah. Twitter the Twitter of the time for me, mm-hmm. where I would just, just it was just, I, I don't know. I don't know if people realize this who read my, my tweet thing, but it's basically just like I, it's post-it notes for whatever's going on in my brain. Um, right. You know, in addition to the usual Twitter usage. But anyway, so I, I, I had a little comment, and I, it must have been on some login screen. And uh, someone was viewing Source, and they thought they had been hacked because they read that comment, and they were all freaked out. And uh, it caused some big crisis. I didn't work there anymore, so uh, it's perfect for me. Right. <laughs> so I just got to laugh. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that funny? What's weird is, like, how did they get onto the Source? Maybe they, like, hit some button and were like, oh, my God, the Source control, the Source, the, 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 the Source yeah, the it's taking over. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, that was that was uh, that was fun times. So what what yeah. uh, what should we talk about this week, Charles? Pick a topic. Um, I added some new right. ones at the bottom, but you know, there's still a lot of other ones. Uh, what what is, was that? Uh, that wasn't. What was I? What was I? Just you know, and doing? while that while was... you're looking, I wanted to mention. I know everyone is interested in in my my dietary things, so I had a slight update. Last week, my car was in the shop, so I had to use fare because we don't have Uber and Lyft here uh, in Austin, which is fair. <laughs> I saw in the house, I saw in the house though, the Texas house that you know while they were making it harder for uh, uh, you know um, immigrants to uh, report crimes and and also you know obsessing over who goes into what bathroom and mic, mic, uh, how do you say mictocration mictorate. Every time someone micturates on a rug, sir, in this city, is it my responsibility to replace it? Apparently, if you're uh, in the, uh, the the Texas house, it is. How'd the discussion go? Good. He said to take any rug in the house. That's uh, th- I think take any rug in the house is the equivalent of, of those signs that are like, this is an any gender bathroom. It's just like, all right. Sound- Anyhow, uh, so I was in a car on the way back, and there was this kind of mild-mattered older French guy. Turned out he was like in his 60s. He looked like he was more in his 50s. But he was apparently like a classically trained uh, French pastry chef and had gotten trained in Belgium, and he came over here in the 70s. And to kind of, he, he told me how you make croissants and all sorts of stuff. But he apparently is the author of a series of books that center around paleo-French cuisine. So I was telling him about, you know, my no-carb diet. And he's like, I am very concerned that you are eating so many beans. You should replace the beans with fruit. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I've done that this week. I no longer am eating beans with every meal or most every meal. And I've been eating fruit. One, I don't know if you eat fruit. Fruit's delicious. Right? It is. Like, cantaloupe, it's, man. it's amazing. And uh, I, I've, I've been stuck for about two years in the 192 to 197 pounds that's not pounds range and now like i this morning i weighed 191.9 like so at a tremendous deceleration so i think i think if you're if you're on that tim ferris diet where you eat the beans like i have been for six years just stop eating beans and start on the fruit man beans it's like <laughs> it's like uh it's like you're living in a bomb shelter man but beans are so delicious you get that you don't did you do you know charles depends on the beans so what kind of you you know i'm imagining like boston baked beans oh no no that's 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 called sugar with beans 
if you mm-hmm. if you look at the the you're talking about you're talking about charro beans or yeah, like oh, pinto beans. beans or like black beans charro beans at a restaurant i don't know what they do i don't want to know if they put sugar in it but however they cook charro beans at a restaurant is one of the top five foods ever with i'm like, pretty sure it's bacon fat oh yeah, yeah. oh so i good. think with the, i think they take uh some some onions maybe some serrano peppers mm-hmm. grill them up like soak those in like bacon fat and yeah. then uh um yeah Success and, is what you call that. And then, yeah. and or, or you know, those uh, those is free that, beans. Uh, is that is that a good uh, is that a good uh, is that a good diet? Uh, which one? The bean diet? Yeah. Uh, is it I, nothing but beans? No, 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 no. You eat you eat the protein and the vegetable and the the bean for every meal, except on Saturday when you eat whatever you want. So I'm going to experiment with swapping in fruit for beans. And also, he said, never eat more than four ounces of, of meat in a meal because it'll give you stones and whatever. So that seems good. It's just nice, simple guidelines. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick four with... Four ounces of meat? Yeah, or, or whatever. And, I guess every, every meal needs to be a filet mignon. Yeah, and, and of course, this is all just guidelines, right? And then I'm going to stick right. with the eating croissants on Saturday thing because that's the only san- sanity that I have. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then, you know, uh, a a moderate amount of, depending on the scientific cycle, as we know, last time a moderate amount of red wine, and an unlimited amount of coffee, and I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think I'll do just fine. Things will work yeah. out, Charles. So I'm I'm actually starting on a diet today, believe it or not. Well, not mm-hmm. necessarily a diet. I'm doing this thing where uh, with my family, where you try and lose a certain amount of weight every week. And if you don't, then you pay everybody else five bucks. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's five people in the thing, so it's like twenty five bucks I got to shell out if I if I don't hit my mark. Yeah. You know, this reminds um, me of of one of my favorite uh, economic studies, where there was mm-hmm. a, I, I I have to look this up to verify it. I'm sure it was on some uh, some you know G Wiz podcast or turns out as other people say. But in Israel, they had these uh, these childcare centers, and parents kept being mm-hmm. late to pick their kids up. And so they were like, I know. What if we charge $20 every 15 minutes uh, for mm-hmm. people who are late? We penalize them. And then it turns out the parents started being like, oh, okay, can I show up an hour later? <laughs> they, were, they, were like, <laughs> they were like totally cool with paying more to, uh, to show up late. So they, they unintentionally made a market out of uh, showing up late and normalized it, which, which, is, uh, which is fun. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. It turns I, out they were providing a service, right? Yeah. And they just weren't getting paid for the service. I think that's how that's, – that's kind of one of the uh, – that's one of the key realizations, you know, I've had managing my own business is you need to be constantly aware and looking for the services that you're providing yeah. that you aren't charging for. Totally. Totally. That's uh, I, we, I, I was doing a podcast, uh, my Pivotal Conversations podcast with Andrew Schaefer and a guy who does uh, our uh, our monitor and alerting I, stuff. I wanna, let me chest thump quick. Uh, see, I'm not interrupting. I'm chest thumping. Uh-huh. Um, very good. Very good. Is is um, uh, hold on. Can we can we pause, Kote? Um. Okay, ready to go back. You Sounds can probably good. find that in the waveform somewhere. Yeah. Um. But uh, I was I was trying to do oh, some man, fill in for that pause, but then I had it on mute, so I had this great, great story that no one will ever hear. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man. Well, maybe we can we can get back to that great story. Mm. Um. But see, now I forgot what were we talking about. 
I, I was about to say how uh, there was this this funny realization that the problem with open source business models is you have to remember to ask money. For oh, something. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to make sure to say that it's, it's not about nickel and diming. Right. It's about actually saying like, oh, this is a thing of value mm-hmm. that I have. And people might actually want to pay for this thing of value uh, in exclusion to other things of value. So it's you know, it's about segmenting uh the the services you provide and letting people choose what they what they want and so but you always have to be identifying what are the high value things that i do uh, for people and maybe i can make it available for them uh explicitly yeah no that's true anyway so go ahead so open for it gotta make money hey wait first turn off your video how does that let's see if let's see if that works you gotta turn off your video okay Okay. I always turn off the video with me because I have consumer-grade internet. You know, I was in the uh, – oh, I'll, I'm not going to tell that story. It's a waste of time. You can just, you can just go to uh, – you can just go to soundcloud.com slash Pivotal Conversations and find the episode with me and uh, Andrew Schaefer and uh, – uh, uh, I forget what his last name is because I'm terrible with names. But it's about uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry metrics. And I always you can, wanna, you can whenever hear I hear you say Andrew Schaefer, I always want to, like – Say Andrew Dice Schaefer. Oh yes, well he does like to say Andrew Clay Schaefer, so so uh, he does have that going for him. Ooh, but wow. uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that sounds pretty cool, right? I li- I like Andrew Clay Schaefer. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, so so what topic do you want to go over today, Charles? Um, let's uh, let's have a look at the sheet. So we already did the uh, the, the the Wheel of Fortune. Man, if there's any episode I should edit. I think it's this one, but uh, not going to edit it. I'll, yeah. tell you, I'll tell you why, because we're supposed to go camping. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to go, we're supposed to go uh, camping on, um, oh, on where? We were supposed to go camping to Enchanted Rock, and, uh, and it's basically going to rain all weekend. So we're, uh, we're not going to do that, as they say. Yeah, that, you don't want to be camping on Enchanted Rock. Well, you don't camp on Enchanted Rock, but, you know, at Enchanted Rock. No, but, no, no. But okay. we did order a um, slew of new camping equipment. So many good topics here, Cote. Yeah. You got a slew of good camping equipment? I love yeah. camping equipment. Yeah. Let me let me uh, let me break it down. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to give you three. I'm going to choose from the list, uh-huh. and and you choose three. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So let's choose from between Socrates, mm-hmm. hated writing. Also, that guy was a capital D dick. Yeah. Okay, that's topic number one. Um, or the economist. Uh-huh. Or the arrogance of making sure you get what you want as applied to your children. Oh yes. <laughs> I just I just wrote that one today. Well, I think that let's choose that one because I just okay. thought of it. And because okay. it because it segues nicely from your point about uh, asking for money, right? So I was thinking, and, and as, as with so many of these topics, this is sort of like a little bit of uh, navel-gazing and uh, also my, my confusion with the world and, mm-hmm. uh, and the way people think. So what do I mean by the arrogance of making sure you get what you want? I have noticed, Charles, right. that there are lots of people who uh, tell people what they want and they fight for it. Now, I'm not very familiar with that because my mode of operating, I think – I think I think at some point in in I'm guessing this is in my teens, right? Junior uh-huh. high, from middle school, and then I think basically I think my mindset and approach to the world, the the uh, 
what do you call the like prototype, you know, the, the sort of foggy thing that was emerging, the sort of faceless carved man that you see at the beginning of Westworld? I think that was basically formed maybe after, you know, somewhere between the sophomore and junior year of high school. It was finally all fully formed. So between like middle school and sophomore year, somehow I was like psychologically trained by my environment, my own choosing to one be incredibly uncompetitive. Like I just do not give a shit. Right. I'm like, like, right. like, so I was thinking this when you're going with your diet thing, I would be like, uh, I'm out. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I am not interested in that. Like I for one, I'm going to have to, even though it's my family, I'm going to have to interact with other people, which I'm not into. Right. Except for my, maybe with family, it'd be fine, but except for my, True to my INFPJ, whatever the fuck I am. Like, I have a close circle of people. I like to interact with them. And I have learned professionally over 20 years how to basically go out in public and act and pretend like I'm an extrovert. And, you know, podcasting is an interesting uh, trick of doing that. Right. But uh, but I've learned how to be an extrovert, and it's fucking exhausting. Like, yesterday and, – and I don't mean to say that because I dislike doing it. I like doing that, just like a, a, an actor likes acting, and it's, it's good and it's enjoyable. But, right. like, yesterday I was at um, – what they call an EBC, an executive briefing center, uh, where we were talking. Uh, we were with, uh, you know, I was with my my Dell EMC buddies and other people, and we were, we were talking. So you like walk in and they, uh, uh, you have to strip and you put your clothes on and they like delouse you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like this is an ex- a center for executive debriefing. Yeah, like it's, an actual actual compound. Uh, yeah, it's it's an actual like it's it's in Round Rock Three here here in uh here in austin and it's like it's like a very nice uh conference room set up with like a desk and a bunch of trophies and the hallmark of it if, for anyone who actually has been around dell for a long time is it's the only place in dell where you can get free coffee uh and and what? Uh, yeah. they charge you for coffee at the rest of dell yeah because i mean you know would would you rather them give you free coffee or give you that money i mean i think that's that's the kind of mentality that dell has and you know, there's a certain symbolism to uh, free coffee, but I think an organization like Dell, I used to make fun of Dell for this, but now that I'm older, I wouldn't say wiser, but now that I'm more wizened, like, sure. I mean, I think the, the, the deal with Dell when it comes to its perceived cheapness is Dell funnels all of its money, well, one, into, uh, well, it funnels all of its money into compensation, whether that's executive compensation, but it's also pretty nicely, I wouldn't say peanut buttered, because it's not even, it's not a fucking like socialist outfit, right? But uh-huh. like, uh, uh, it is really good at compensating employees, and uh, not like in in the hallowed Microsoft stuff where employees get totally free health insurance and everything. But right. you get a lot of money if you do well working at Dell. So, right. Uh, anyways, I was at the EBC. We we're talking to a big energy right. company, and I was interacting a lot because it's my fucking job. And then afterwards. Uh, uh, I had to go to, I had to listen to me. I had the delight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had, I had the delight of going, it was after my, you, after you passed through the, uh, decontamination chamber. That's right. And then, and then the guys with the, the, the zapping tridents came and were like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, and after that, I had the, exactly. I had the, uh, the delight of going to my son's, uh, end of year presentations where we sat through, Let's see, seven to eight presentations from first and, and second graders about their science experiments, right? Like make a volcano. Let's put let's put carnations in colored water to see how it works. And it was awesome. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm continually impressed by this, this. 
Yeah, I'm continually impressed by the state of education nowadays because, one, I don't think I started reading and writing till I was maybe in college. And then, two, like, they're, they've learned the scientific method, which, like, now, if I can continue to keep references up... Oh, well, there's another thing I should tell you about God. Remind me about that. Uh, about the scientific method, like, he'll... My son will have in his mind, like, here's how I explore the world in a very rigorous way that, that arrives right. at... I wouldn't say truth... But an approximation, a, a pragmatic truth, consistent model. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, consistently consistent model. Exactly. So, anyways, one hundred percent. So, anyways, let me write Just down uh, God and rain. Uh, uh, um, so, anyways, after that, so you have to sit there. You're around parents. You got to like, you know, be enthusiastic. And again, I'm saying this all. I, I actually enjoy all that. But I come home and I'm like mentally like exhausted from being in an ABC and being out right. there. And the whole point is. Yep. Uh, so somehow I, I uh, I'm in that that area where I'm not competitive, and then and then uh, the second thing is like as an as a part of being competitive. Because you are competitive, or you're not competitive. No, no, I'm not. Because I'm not competitive. Being an extrovert and introvert, I, if like being an extrovert and introvert is not the. I agree. I agree completely. The, I'm just I'm just sort of getting to the point of the arrogance of asking for what you want. Okay. And so that was one thing. I'm not competitive, okay. right? right? And if you were competitive, you would probably battle for things that you want. So I don't do that. And then and then as a consequence, not fully because of this, but also because I was an only child and I don't know, just because I'm the way I am. Basically, my assumption is I'm going to do everything my fucking self. And if you want to help me, you're in my way, <laughs> right? And now, obviously, I'm not like right. that on everything because ironically, you are here helping me do a podcast, right? And vice versa. But, like, I really, like, I'm not into collaboration. Like, I don't like working with other people because they always want to make demands on you and you got to work with them and be nice to them. So there's these two things. And as a consequence of that, I don't think I ever feel like I need to ask people for things. Because, one, I don't want to be confrontational and make them do what I want. And, two, I'm just going to go do it myself. And if I can't do it myself, I'm going to stop right. wanting it. And And so... There you go. That's that's the the now. I don't think that's a normal state. That's certainly not how I, so pretty much everyone I is, know operates. So here's here's the thing, though, Cote. <clears throat> this is this is so so I would classify myself as being a introvert, but very highly competitive. Mm. And so one of the reasons we're doing this, like in my family, is like you know obviously I grew up in my family, so everybody in my family is also really competitive. They love to play like. like card games and board games and yeah games and a lot of games uh like but it's i think part of it too is you have to like if you're if you so this is diverging a little bit because i i'm going to get back to what i think is 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 a, is that <clears throat> you have to take enjoyment from getting beaten yes like uh sense. that's that's actually really like so I'm very competitive. Someone bests me in a game, I appreciate it. And I look to what I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that was some really good play. Let's see what they did here. Uh, and maybe I can integrate that into my own game. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like uh, in, so in uh, definitely... I, I've never read all the Sherlock Holmes books, but it's not Malfoy or Murdoch. But whoever his megafoil is, you get the sense that every time he's defeated, he's like, ooh, good show, old man, as, as he like runs off into the farm. <laughs> right. And so, but then for the second point is like, if you want really, really big things, you need to coordinate people to do that. Yeah. 
You know, in You're Skype, the... in, in Skype, they put the mute button really close to the hangout button. But you were saying if, if you want really big things, you're going to have to, like, coordinate, compete, or whatever. Yeah, you're going to have to coordinate and organize people, and you have to, like, put on, you know, you have to put on your extrovert face. Yeah. And you don't have to do that. It's, it's so funny. You have to do, like, planning, I guess, is, is, is basic stuff. Because, like, if you have a good plan, then people can execute it. It's just so stupid, but yet it's so so obvious and yet it's so people hate to do it people like this this happened uh recently we had so you know um my son plays baseball and um and this actually happened uh also on my daughter's soccer team although only for one one game uh but this happened the whole season is the coach quit or didn't show up like bowed out like a week before the season began Mm. and they were like Hmm, does anyone have any volunteers? And everyone was like, uh, no. And, um, you know, I was like, well, I guess I have to do it. Like, oh, I have to, no, Charles. Actually, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was actually a baseball coach, Cote, this, these past six weeks. Um, and, you know, at first it was really, really, really uncomfortable. Um, but, you Cause know. Because of, of jock straps, right? You got to wear a jock strap? <laughs> well, that. <laughs> they just get in my mustache. Um, <laughs> Turn, turns out there are two mustaches. <laughs> oh, Cote. <laughs> um, Go on. But my, but, but my point is, is that, you know, all I ended up having to do, like, is show up with a very minimal plan for, like, practice. It's like, first, we're going to practice catching. Then yeah. we're going to practice throwing and then we're going to practice hitting and, and being able to like explain that even to a bunch of seven year olds love that structure. The parents also love that structure. It's like, Oh, what do I do? Okay. I help my child throw. Then I'm going to help my child catch. Then we're going to bat and then we go home yeah. and just having someone, anyone in this case, it happened to be me not imposing the structure, but saying, hey, we're all going to succeed if we follow this structure. Uh, you know, then, then you know, there you go. But the problem is in order to have like a, you know, in order to have a successful baseball team, you got to coordinate. You got to have the plan. You got to work with other people, especially if they're like, I don't like that structure. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, you know that, that, that uncovers uh, so many things, Charles. But one of them, you know, especially related to the, uh, the, the, this notion here is, well, first of all, it's been my observation that in real life, right, which is to say not only outside of the tech world, but out of the confines of a corporate structure, right? Like people, people can't plan in real life. And you experience this in particular uh, when you start doing like kid activities. And just like you were saying, right, like, like you have to show up with a plan of what you're going to do. And there are not, not to name names, but there are certain uh, organized kid activities I've been involved in where it's clear that the person leading it uh, has done two things, to put it in corporate speak. First, they don't have a plan and they're not like, they don't realize how tactical they need to be about even the simplest things. Yeah. Second, they have not put in place a corporate structure of management that makes sure that everything executes well, right? Like, like this is just a little sub-rant, but it's just like people are always always doing this email list where they're cutting and pasting people in it and you know who gets left out me i always get left out right and then and then so it's just right. ridiculous and and 
I've come to realize. I I don't know if this is you're gonna be like Cote. I want to be on that email list. Yeah, and and then and then what happens is like I'm on one email, and then they go to send another email, and they go back to the original list and cut and paste that, and you're just like fuck. I mean, I you don't need to go sign up for Mailchimp or whatever, but like at least learn to cut and paste. Even better, like I don't really know if this is effective, but I feel like pretty much all. Maybe even a corporate world, but pretty much all in real life group coordination stuff can probably be done with a Facebook group now, right? And there's always going to be that one nerd that works at some fucking open source company who's like, I don't have a Facebook account, but you know what? Fuck that guy, right? Like the rest of us, we all have Facebook that's, accounts. That's, that's me, Kote. I know. You can need to get a Facebook account just for this reason, right? It's just like you <laughs> I would... actually have a Facebook account. See? I just haven't used it. 2006 yeah, exactly so you are not that guy right like you would sign up for a yahoo group to be on the email list right it's and and yet yahoo is just like odious right but you're just like ah, i just sign up for the thing and then i don't actually have to use the thing and i'm pretty sure that like a facebook group you know you could put you could make it private and you can share pictures in there that are fully private you could have events in there that you create that people could integrate into their calendar you could have a calendar like anyhow so let me bracket that rant. The whole thing of like organizing like in real life activities is just like it's amazing how big people fuck that up. So uh, it, it, that's part of the arrogance is like if you're going to manage this thing, you need to have a plan. Right. And and yeah, right. like people are terrible at that. So this get, as, as getting back into more more of work world, like one of the reasons like, you know, I always joke about how I'm very self-effacing, how I'm terrible at all sorts of things. And one of the things I'm terrible at because I've done it before is like management. Right. And and people are always like, oh, you'd be a great manager because, you know, I, I seem so nice and, and things like that, which is all true. But like I'm very hesitant to tell I, other people what to do. Yeah, I'm very hesitant to tell other people what to do unless they ask. Right. Like I follow right. the old consulting rule of like, I mean, because basically I'm more or less I'm, I'm in, in my life. If you were to describe what I do, I'm no longer a programmer, sadly. But I'm basically a publisher, like a writer, if you will. I create content and I do consulting, right? And my my guiding rule of consulting from Gerald Weinberg or whatever uh, is uh, you only give advice when you're asked to. So I think as right. a as a manager, uh, it's sort of understood that you're giving advice to people, and and I'm I'm terrible at that. And and yeah. then this is also Boy, com- my mom is terrible about that too. She's yeah. constantly giving me advice about my beard. Yes. Oh, fuck. And that's I, a whole. I, I've let, never asked her about whether I should have a beard or not. Let, not let me, let me, I mean, that's a whole topic is beards, but let me give a little anecdote about beards on Enchanted Rock. Uh, but, uh, like, uh, that's a good part of the recording. Uh, so, so what, 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 uh, I was talking about not wanting to give people things to do, but, you know, I, I just think like that's that's part of the arrogance of like getting what you want. That's even worse because as a manager, it's your job to tell people what to do. And then the compounding things here. What is, here's what I was owing over to remember is um, I guess I guess I'm the curmudgeon who's always making fun of this stuff. But, you know, in the whole like um, let's all be uh, business process and culture hippies world that we stew in nowadays of, of the DevOps and, and all this stuff like you're supposed to follow this idea of the five dysfunctions of teams and, and follow the programmer's maxim of like, don't tell people how to do something, tell them the outcome that you want. And like, I don't think that works. <laughs> right. Like, I think so. I, I, think, I, I, think, I think I, I, I don't think that works as a default position. Let me put it that way. Right. Like if you tell someone the outcome that you want, 
I, I guess you have to be careful about like I think, picking the right outcome. Like the outcome that you want might be the way that something is executed because that determines what, what the outcome is. I think what you want is you want to, yes, that's, that's important, but you also need, if you have clearly thought and written down and communicated people's, their role and what responsibilities come along with that role, that also is a key ingredient. Mm. So you want to give people a framework for thought. You don't want to give them a to-do list. Yes. Right. So you kind of have, you know, on one end, the, the, the platonic ideal of management is you, you are able to 100% effectively communicate where this person fits into the overall, like, thing. Yeah. Like if you're, you know, to use like a physical analogy, it's like, we are driving a car to Chattanooga and you are a wheel. You're responsible for bearing one fourth of the weight. Uh, you know, like, um, I don't know, you're responsible for doing, you know, turning like this when you get a message from the, the, the steering like the rack and pinion or whatever. I don't think cars use rack and pinions anymore. <laughs> what do they got? What do they got? Uh, catalytic converters in there? What's uh, I, what's going well, on? I don't know. Um, but you, but, you, but you see my point, and yeah. then they can figure out how to roll. Yeah, uh, yeah. And when to roll? If they know, it's like I'm not a steering column. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a transmission. I'm not a carburetor. I'm a wheel. Yes. And this is what a wheel does. Like, and so, you know, if you, you have, if you couple that with kind of expected outcomes, um, then, I mean, you can set goals, I guess. Right. Yeah. But goals, sometimes you hit them, sometimes you don't. But I think more importantly, there needs to be a concept of identity within the group. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and this, this, like this could, uh, uh, if I let myself meander around, like we would take a full tour of the last 20 years of organizational not i wouldn't say theory but anecdotes and 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 uh management consulting books i've read and blog posts and tweets but it's sort of like the frustration of what i spend a lot of my time talking with people is just like why can't this person fucking do the right thing <laughs> right? right like like well, and and, they, and right? some sometimes that person is the one <laughs> complaining about it right like why can't i do the right thing and and it gets to a frustration i have with a lot of this stuff which is um and this happens in my regular life and my work life is I feel like I feel like don't we all understand that like there are different models for understanding and figuring out reality right like and then this this drives different modes of execution in our life for example right to use your rack and pinion thing uh metaphorically if I am part of an organization that's a car my job is to stay attached as a wheel is to stay attached to the organization and roll forward and backward. Right. And like, that's all I do. I don't need to innovate what I'm doing. <laughs> right. And, and like I get right. rated on my, my longevity before mm -hmm. I get blown out. And then also my ability to execute on exactly what it is I do. So that's like one mode of thinking. And the other mode of thinking is sort of like, like, like I do for the register. Hey, you should figure out 800 to 1200 words to send us a month. <laughs> right and and like right. i feel i feel like there's not like this discipline in the way that most people approach things where they apply those two things and i and i guess you know to to go to a touch mark of stuff right it's like can't we all just go read at least some cliff notes for that thinking fast thinking slow book 
and like realize when you shift between these two ways of these two modes of execution and like constantly be analyzing not to the detriment of getting to analysis paralysis but like you should always be asking like is is this the best way to do something if it is do that thing if it's not the best way to do it figure out a new way of doing it and like i, I don't know it's just like people are so frustrating charles did i did i, did I say that i was an introvert yet <laughs> You would uh, you would make a terrible manager. I can say this, Cote. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe if you were actually foisted onto the role, I think anybody you know you have to be kind of deliberate about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, but yeah. I think yeah. I think I think I think People to have, uh, to self the worst I, is when they have different opinions. Oh. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the whole point of this podcast is me to talk about myself, right? Like it's another introvert wormhole, but uh, like. I, I think I think there is one good thing, at least that I hope I'm good at as a manager, which is uh, which is unmasking corporate bullshit, right? And I remember I used to do this a lot with people I would manage, and and I try to kind of is that just, a manager's role though? No, 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 not well. It's something. I I don't know what it is. I don't know where that fits, but it's basically like no, no, no. When you go meet with this guy, that's more of a consigliere or whatever you call it. It's like here's here's how you actually should perceive this. That person asks you to do this thing. Here's what you should actually do. It's it's the role of an editor, sort of, right? Like, here's work that you've done. Right. Here's how you should fix it up, right? Like, this is the actual thing that, that, that should be doing. And then I think another thing, which is not – it's only a small part of a manager role, is, is I was always really good at uh, tricking people – and it wasn't always tricking, but let me, I should be, I was always good at making people perceive whether it was true or not that I was on their side and, and therefore that I could, I could build up alliances and win them over for like on the record and off the record stuff, so to uh-huh. speak. And I know this because right. I, I was telling Kim the anecdote. I freak, there's a certain place I used to work at and uh, I frequently encounter other people who used to work there over my 20 year career to fuzz up the anonymity of it. And the first thing they often do is they apologize about the the boss that I work for. They were like, "That person was a piece of work. Sorry, you had to work for them." And what they didn't understand is that he and I, that that he and I really got along, and I really liked him. <laughs> but for some reason, really, for some reason, they thought that I was on their side of like not liking this person or whatever. And so, like, I've noticed that I do that in a lot of situations where, and this gets to the non confrontational thing I have, where it's just like. I pretty so quickly what do you know. Tell him? Do you actually tell him the truth? Yeah, yeah, that, uh... yeah. Now it's been long enough that I'll be like, I, I actually really like that guy. I thought he was great, right? Like he, he, uh, <laughs> like given the environment and the constraints that he had, he did a good job, right? Like he did the best that he could, and he's very nice to me and helpful. And I don't know, I don't know. Anyhow, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, so but that's what that's what the the the, the topic is. Is like, uh, you got to go out there and like have a plan for getting what you want and kind of not be afraid of it. And that, that can be all the way down to, uh, to like restaurants if you don't like the food or whatever, or like if you, uh, if you just go to Academy and you want to get a fishing rod and you're like, I don't think this fishing rod is what I need. Right? Like I, I want you to keep working on this harder and like actually help me out about finding the right fishing rod, you know, <laughs> all, all, all the way to, uh, you know, uh, we should get married. Right. Like that's an arrogant of getting what you want or like uh, all the sort of like domestic stuff that goes on and, and into the work world. Right. And it seems like mm-hmm. it comes much easier to other people uh, than it does to myself. Well, and then and then this, that, are you cool with that? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like something to blab on about. <laughs> I mean, and, and this know, this particularly there is, there is a certain competitive advantage to being chill. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this this particularly has come up. This is the parenthetical part. Is like I've noticed that you can't really do that with your children. Like with your children, you've got to put on like you've got to go fight for them and do things for them, which uh, which I guess yep. is an interesting way to train up about doing that for uh, for myself. But you really do have to like stick it out for your kids. And and I guess that's why I've started to notice this a lot is unless you get lucky more or less one of your jobs as a parent is you know in, in corporate world you're told that a manager needs to like hold back the uh the shit from running downhill and provide cover and uh it's almost and and corporate managers need to do this for their staff as well but like with your kids basically most of the world is not interested in their shit <laughs> and so yeah. you you've got to go out and champion for them and it's not always a zero sum sum game but let's call it a uh, an 80 20 game right like you're basically always going out there and making sure that you uh, your kids uh, hoard as many of the coins or resources as possible, uh, and obviously they can't do it. So you got to go out there and uh, battle for them. Yeah, searing insights, Charles. <laughs> so so uh, before we get to the Emacs configurations tips, let me let me just go over the two little things in the queue that I had. So one. I had I had this exciting speaking of children this exciting moment. I've been I've been working uh, speaking of uh, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I've been working with my son to explain all this religion stuff and how that works out. So we listened uh, to like Norse mythology and Greek mythology, and of course he went to a uh, uh, a religious preschool where they would go to chapel every day. So he knows about Christian. I, I won't be rude and call it mythology, but he knows about Christian mythology. I'm sorry, I just said it. You know what I mean? Religion. And uh, right. and and at first, of course, like any child, he talks about God a lot and God doing this. And last night, I told him we couldn't go to Enchanted Rock because it was raining. And he said, "Daddy, I wish God was real because he could stop the rain." And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll see if I come to regret that for some reason or if it's terrible parenting. But uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 nice to spread my religion to people, as it were. And then, and then also, we should have a whole episode on beards at one point, but I encountered someone. This is just some advice to share. I encountered someone at Enchanted Rock last weekend. We went there last weekend who uh, had a beard. And uh, I just was like, oh, so you got a beard. And, and he must have had this many times because he was like, yeah, a lot of people tell me I need to do this and I got to get beard cream. I don't want to do that. I'm just lazy. I just want to grow a beard. If I started taking care of it, that's, that's a whole like gets over the whole point of it. So rest assured. If you just want to have a beard, that's cool. You don't need to freak out about creams mm-hmm. and things. You can just don't right. worry about it. The problem is the longer it gets, you know, it, it is more like uh, it's like caring for long hair. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying in the first, like, let's say two years of bearding, that's fine. Now, what you will discover is for your own happiness and uh, dandruff prevention and various things. <laughs> like, you're going to need to start taking care of it the same way you take care of the rest of your body. But – you can have a good two-year run being like the, the clothes that Hell's Angels wear and just like treat the shit out of it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the opposite of that. But, yeah, you don't need to feel stress. Just relax, man, and then uh, call me back when you want to know how to take care of your beard. So this week, what it, what's your Emacs configuration tip of the week, Charles? What is my Emacs configuration tip of the week? Um, <clears throat> gosh. Hmm. Boy, it's, all, it's almost like it's almost like you didn't know this question was going to come up. Okay, okay, I got one. I got one. Here's what you want. So, you want to be using RJSX mode, which is derived. So, if you if you do any JavaScript, 
which most people do at some point, uh, and you want to use JSX, which is if you're going to do if you're using React, um, the default Emacs JS2 mode does not properly parse JSX. When it sees a tag, it actually treats it as E4 XML, which I don't know if you remember that shit. Uh, that's some old mm. shit. Nobody Vaguely. wants that shit anymore. Basically, it lets you embed XML documents right inside uh, your your JavaScript, and it's actually part of the JavaScript spec. But it turns out JSX is actually not real JavaScript. Uh, it's not it's not one hundred percent. It's not like according to spec. Um, so the J the E four XML, which is actually part of the spec, um, and probably I'm going to have some if anyone out there. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure this is how how it is. It's actually not 100% conformant JavaScript. So of course, you know, <clears throat> if it's not according to spec, then of course, you know, why would the, your JS mode parse it, even though it's really really popular? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is no precedent for a high volume of ill-formed XML-derived languages actually rendering perfectly in a sort of software that everyone who has a computer on the globe uses. That's like that kind of tolerance for irregular like markup is, is, is just has never happened before. Right. So long story short, our JSX mode is derived from JS2 mode. So you get all the good JS2 goodness and you get support for JSX. So you should use it and you should probably name your JSX files dot JSX. Mm. Now let me let me uh, just add one more thing to just to just meet up to put some breadcrumbs in the meatloaf here. What uh, what font are you currently using for your code, Charles, in the Emacs? What font? Gosh, or I is it a typeface? Uh, font show log. Font logging is currently suppressed. Huh? <laughs> I'm being suppressed. <laughs> Let's see. Um, <laughs> these man, are the parentheses I... inherent in the system. Let's see. This could be a secondary tip. I mean, I obviously only have one Emacs joke, which I displayed there. So, uh, uh, I mean, I think it's a good one. Let's see. You don't use consolos or uh consolos? Is that is that old hipster? Is that that Consolo? <laughs> that sounds like uh let's see. So, looks like you can hit control U, control X and then equal. Um, which will say I am currently using Menlo normal, normal, normal. Oh, good. They're just like, in case you don't get it. So that's three, <laughs> three normals, normal, normal, right? They're just, yeah, that's, that's fucking norm core up the yin yang right there. Uh, so, uh, well, as always, this has been the drunken retired podcast, you know, actually Charles, I, I think I've set it up that if I, if I haven't, then I should. If you go to drunkenretired.com, it'll forward to our episodes. But I put these in in the Cote Show Variety podcast, which you can get at Cote.show. It's I, I put a little uh, a little interview we had with John Willis in an episode ago, which which is a, a pretty good interview if you like that guy. If you go to Cote.show.com slash, I think this is 26, you can find the spare show notes that we have. And you should really just go subscribe to it in your iTunes. I think we're between 500 and 700 downloads. We should get that way up. we got to get that up uh-huh. because it will be fun. And uh, otherwise, you can talk to me and Charles on Twitter. I'm uh, Cote, C-O-T-E. Charles is Cowboy D. You can send him all of your Emacs uh, corrections uh, if you want. 
And uh, hey, with, JavaScript uh, corrections. Mm, yeah, your your JavaScript corrections definitely send those. And uh, with that, I we'll love, see. I love corrections. Yes, we we all do. We like corrections. With that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye.